everyone, and welcome to the Monday edition of the Dark Delight Podcast with Beans. As everybody's starting to get used to, Frank is joining us on the Friday shows, leaving me all by my lonesome on Mondays and Wednesdays, but I love it. I get to talk a little bit more in depth about things, and um, Frank catches up on Friday when he joins the show. We had a lot of fun on Friday's show. I want to get right into it today. First, this. Saturday Night Live did a a skit mocking Donald Trump and what he said in a rally over the weekend um, about debanking. Now, apparently, Saturday Night Live has no idea that debanking is a real term and something that actually happens to a lot of people, including myself, if you step out of line and start wrong thinking as per the Ministry of Truth. It happened to the Canadian truckers. It's happened to many conservatives. It's happened to Laura Loomer. It's happened to me. I was debanked from PayPal, um, which is a financial institution. Venmo. It happens. I still have no really... mm, I know why, but that's a whole different story. Anyway, let's watch Saturday Night Live attempt to mock Donald Trump showing their complete and utter cluelessness. Hasn't lost a step. (laughs) Trump did have a slight stumble this week while talking about banks, and he introduced an interesting new term called debank. We're also going to place strong protections to stop banks and regulators from trying to debank you. They want to debank you, and we're going to debank. I don't know what the hell debank means, but he might have to take de-ambulance to see the doctor. (laughs) Hasn't lost a step. Yeah, well, debanking is actually a real thing, you moron. Perhaps you should get out of your bubble for five seconds and understand what is plaguing this country in terms of the complete revocation of rights and liberties for those who do not think this way, the same way as they, quote, should. That's frustrating to me. The GOP moving to the border now is releasing impeachment articles in a bid to oust Mayorkas over the border. They released two articles of impeachment against Alejandro Mayorkas as they vowed to swiftly push forward with election year efforts to oust him over what they call his failure to manage the border. This rare step against a cabinet member drew outrage from Democrats and the agency as a politically motivated stunt lacking the constitutional basis needed. They contend he's guilty of treason, which is a word they don't use in this article. They say high crimes and misdemeanors. Treason. He willfully and systematically refused to comply with immigration laws. This is true. And I wish they would have done this sooner. I don't understand why the wait. Why do we why do we need to wait until until an election year when this is what we put you there for. I don't understand that. Um, and this is this is having a problem. This is trickling up to Chicago and other places like California where they're offering free health care to any illegal immigrant or illegal alien. Denver Health at a critical point is 8,000 migrants make 20,000 emergency visits. The hospital system is turning away local residents the same way that the New York school districts in the city are turning away actual American students in favor of housing for illegal immigrants. 
Denver Health CEO Donna Lynn warned the center is at a crucial moment due to unexpected costs associated with immigrant visits. Who is paying for this? This entire health system could go under for all of the folks up there. It's going to break Denver Health. The health system is overwhelmed with care costs for uninsured patients, particularly migrants, illegal immigrants, 36,000 of whom have arrived in Denver since December of 2022. Where do you think they're getting care? They're getting it at Denver Health. Denver Health has treated more than 8,000 migrants who lack legal documentation in the past year. That's a good place to grab them all up and send them back where they came from. Just saying. He expects it to worsen as sub-zero temperatures sweep across Colorado. The Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services discusses the Emergency Medical Treatment and Labor Act. Know your rights. That you're guaranteed access to medical services for individuals who present to a hospital emergency department regardless of their ability to pay. That, that's what happens when you have an emergency and you're uninsured and you go to the hospital. They have to treat you. You worry about the rest later. If you're an American, they should just make it very clear that this was supposed to apply to Americans. It's, it's between this and all of the young people flooding the hospitals and healthcare facilities because of other problems. We're going to see a critical breakdown of services in the United States, in my opinion, if something isn't fixed. And then we had this happen over the weekend. So sad. We never want to hear that a service member is killed. It's a terrible thing, especially when we have a country that wantonly flouts the, the lives of these young people. It, that's the thing that bothers me the most. A lot of people got angry. Some people got angry with me when I chastised uh, Lindsey Graham over the weekend for wanting to just go in and, and bomb Ira- Iran and just destroy Iran because that's what he gets his jollies off of. They're like, oh, you coward. How could you not want re- a retribution? And I say, if our foreign policy wasn't so completely upside down backwards where we are acting as the world's policemen, yes, that comes from the Ron Paul days. This wouldn't happen. There needs to be a complete overhaul of how we do business across the world, in my opinion. We shouldn't be there in the first place. Anyway, three U.S. troops are killed in Jordan drone strike linked to Iran. Three U.S. service members were killed and at least 34 were wounded in a drone attack by Iran-backed militants on U.S. troops in northeast Jordan near the Syrian border. It is the first deadly strike against U.S. forces since the Israel-Hamas war erupted in October and marks a major escalation in tensions that have engulfed the Middle East. While we're still gathering the facts of this attack, we know it was carried out by radical Iran-backed militant groups operating in Syria and Iraq. It's funny how they know that stuff right away, but they have no idea who placed the pipe bombs outside of the DNC and the RNC. Isn't that interesting? And yeah, somebody in the chat is saying Spark 101 is saying, did you see the new addition to health insurance, Cigna and Anthem Blue Cross? No coverage due to declared war or non-declared war. I did see that, actually. I will, um, hold on. I'm writing myself a note. Wartime insurance. Yep, 
I wrote myself a note. I'm going to cover that in more detail. Thank you for reminding me. Um, so we've got that. And and then, they, you know, Biden's saying, we'll, we'll respond. We're going to respond to this. We will send something over there. We'll bomb something. Um, we don't know what exactly is going to be bombed. Biden, who was traveling in South Carolina, asked for a moment of silence during an appearance at a Baptist church banquet hall. Biden said in a written statement that the United States will hold all those responsible to account at a time and in a manner of our choosing. And Lloyd Austin, <laughs> excuse me, says we will take all necessary actions to defend the United States, our troops and our interests. But the GOP war hawks are all up on this. The neoconservatives that just want war for money and profit. Mitch McConnell called for serious crippling costs to Iran, not only on frontline terrorist proxies, but on their Iranian sponsors who wear American blood as a badge of honor. Lindsey Graham said that the attacks the U.S. has carried out on proxies outside Iran will not deter aggression, calling to strike targets inside of Iran. In other words, another war, another war, another war inside of... Come on, seriously, Lindsey, can you just go away? You are, he will send your sons and daughters to die over, he will, he, he just, that's all he wants. He wants nothing more than for world war, flaming world war. I, yes, I, I use that word purposefully. It's disgusting. And I'm sorry, I don't support war. I never have supported war. I'm not a big war supporter. Don't like sending our troops to die. What I really think we should be doing is having our troops come back here to defend us from the war and invasion that is going on on our southern border. That's what I think. They'd be much better taken care of here at home as well. But on on schedule, we always hear this right after. The former U.N. weapons inspector issuing a warning that Iran is capable of producing 12 nuclear bombs in just five months because they haven't. How many years have we been hearing about Iran and nuclear weapons? Could they? Okay, maybe they can. It's all propaganda and fear mongering, in my opinion. Who doesn't know this already? Everybody boogeyman, boogeyman, boogeyman. Lots of this going on, but there's more. They also launched three satellites simultaneously into orbit amid tensions with the West. They say they launched three indigenous satellites into orbit using the Simorg carrier rocket, marking the first time the country has simultaneously sent three rockets into space or satellites into space. Early Sunday, weighing 32 grams. Why do that when you can just fly a balloon right over the center of the country? Why do that? I mean, why bother when you can just fly a, a spy balloon right through the middle of the United States? <laughs> I don't get it. Tensions are rising, everyone. Tensions are rising. Everybody, be aware. Your tension should be rising right now. Make sure. If you're not rising, you should be. It's very important. But I saw this. 
The Houthis and Iranians are hurting China. Are you ready? The Chinese are increasingly angry with Iran. Reuters has reported that Chinese officials have asked Iran to rein in attacks on ships in the Red Sea by the Iran-backed Houthis or risk harming business relations with Beijing. That may not sound like much of a threat, but the hidden text is that for a lot of the parts for Iran is that a lot of the parts for Iranian missiles and drones and equipment for its large-scale nuclear program come from China. If China actually cut these supplies off, Iran would have to close its war factories. The Chinese would do what U.S. export controls completely failed in doing, shutting down Chinese access to technology from Asia, the United States, and Europe. It would also hit Russia hard. Russia is buying drones and drone components from Iran. Yes, Russia could get stuff from China, but the Chinese have been anxious to avoid Western sanctions. So they've been careful on what they feed the big bear, and they prefer an approach to under-the-table transactions that, in Chinese terms, appears to resemble plausible deniability. Listen carefully to this, because it's going to feed into the next couple points I make. China has even more reason than just armaments to be unhappy with the Houthis. Europe is one of China's largest trading partners. China's share of imports into Europe rose from 4.6% in 2020 to over 20% today. But the real share is even higher since a big part of imports to Europe other than from China is in the form of energy, oil, and natural gas from Russia. Even now, China's imports are made up of a combination of some specialized raw materials like lithium and other rare earths, and the rest mostly manufactured goods. Keep that in the front of your brain. China is undergoing a serious economic recession with factories shutting down, workers released or paroled, and sales inside and outside of China very sluggish. Compounding the problem is that China ships its goods using commercial carriers, and most of the shipments are by sea and pass through the Red Sea to the Suez Canal and on to Europe. Even if the Houthis say they're not shooting at Chinese ships, that's completely irrelevant since non-Chinese ships and by and large car... Ugh. Since non-Chinese ships, by and large, carry Chinese cargo. And even if the ship keeps using the Suez Canal, insurance rates are rising. So the cost of transport and if diverting around the Horn of Africa, the weeks of delays in moving cargoes is a big challenge for Chinese producers. China simply can't afford to lose any more business than it already has. We're almost done. If Xi Jinping does not take even tougher measures on Iran, then he will be held responsible by China's manufacturing elites for an even bigger failure. He already has a host of disasters on his hands, much of it like the crazy COVID restrictions, his own doing. His real estate market has collapsed. Fancy and not so fancy cars are piling up in holding yards because Chinese entrepreneurs and higher level government personnel have lost confidence and are holding on to their money, not in banks, but in mattresses. It's almost done. China had big ambitions to flood Europe with its new generation of battery power cars. Many articles have been written about these fancy vehicles, although reporting inside China is far more critical. Nevertheless, as Europe, especially Germany, deindustrialized, China saw an opportunity to replace European automobiles with their own brands. Worse yet, at the same time that trade through the Red Sea and the canal may be impractical, Chinese China's Belt and Road Initiative appears to be collapsing. Now, I'm going to stop there for a second. <clears throat> I talked about One Belt, One Road and Italy during the COVID issue. And I, I described the flow of Chinese immigrants illegally into Italy to basically take over their textile 
um, industry. Italy is more overrun with Chinese illegal immigration than almost any other country. I'll put the link to that in the show notes below because it factored into COVID. The Italians were out there saying that the government was doing this campaign, hug a Chinese. Don't be afraid of our Chinese counterparts sending these elderly folks out in a public relations campaign to hug all of the Chinese people who fled China right before the lockdowns, likely packed with COVID, into Italy, which is why we had such an enormous increase in Italy of the elderly coming down with COVID. I know not many people caught that article. Um, to, uh, not many people who are watching today may have caught that article, I say. But I just wanted to go through that with you quickly. That entire system was founded in many cases on bribing local political leaders. I, I talk about this, especially in Asia and Africa, financing and building projects the recipients could never afford and then taking over critical assets like ports, roads, air terminals and other infrastructure as a way of getting payment. They're trying it here, too. There were ports here in the United States. They tried this with, too, and a few that they were successful with, by the way. For these countries, it isn't sustainable. In fact, it's the modern equivalent of exploitative colonialism. Belt and Road, instead of enhancing China's global power, is undermining its influence and reach. The Iranians, who energized the Houthis to carry out attacks on shipping in the Red Sea, have to a degree cut off their nose to spite their face. They've been behaving in a more ruthless manner in the region, sponsoring the Hamas war, promoting Hezbollah, putting revolutionary guard personnel in Iraq and Syria, supplying almost all the weapons for these forces, and basically running the Middle East because Washington no longer cares except to pretend it is a great power and to issue pronunciations which it has no intention of enforcing. Okay. Then we have this. Evergrande shares halted after Hong Kong court orders liquidation. Shares of China's Evergrande were briefly halted after, the, after plunging over 20% in early trading. This Hong Kong decision comes after it was reported that Evergrande's overseas creditors failed to reach a deal. Was once the country's largest property developer, but they're enveloped in Beijing's debt crisis. This is a big deal. It's the world's most indebted property developer. It, it defaulted in 2021 and announced an offshore debt restructuring in March of last year. Policymakers in China have been scrambling to stem the debt crisis in, beleaguered prop, in the beleaguered property sector. Last week, the People's Bank of China and the Ministry of Finance announced measures to help boost the liquidity, but doesn't look good for China. And there's one more thing, one more thing. I hadn't seen this anywhere. The world's largest reserve of lithium discovered beneath California's Salton Sea. A $540 billion mother load could meet America's supply demands for decades. What do we go to China for? We talked about this a little bit earlier. Now you know why I started off the show with lithium. We talked before about the fact that China is responsible for all these rare earth minerals, lithium, etc. Now, all of a sudden, we learn that underneath the Salton Sea is a endless supply of lithium. Am I a big fan of this? No, because it is basically being farmed and used for green energy initiatives. But this is a big deal if it's handled the way you would think it should be from an America first perspective for China's grip on 
markets on these rare earth minerals. And it's also a really big indicator of what potentially could be going on with all this conflict. I'm sure it doesn't make any of these other countries very happy to know that um, off the sh- <laughs> in California, we are sitting on $540 billion worth of lithium that we could use here in America and export elsewhere. Cutting that side completely out of any of what we do. These batteries are, somebody in the chat said, what do you do with all of that, all of these batteries? They, they pollute the earth. They pollute the earth. I, I'm not a fan. I'm not saying I am. But this, from it, and I'm also not a geopolitical expert, guys. I've said this a million times. However, I am able to put basic parts and pieces together based on what I read. And nobody has included this lithium mine in any of their strategic thinking about what the hell could possibly be going on across the world right now. When it comes to rare earth elements, lithium stands out because of its youthfulness, usefulness and potential value. That's why the Department of Energy was jumping for joy when it discovered what is believed to be the world's largest supply of lithium beneath California's Salton Sea. The estimated 18 million ton mother load could be worth up to 400, 540 billion. A global rival such as China controlling the world's supply of lithium runs counter to America's strategic and economic interests, which is why the Department of Energy has been funding the exploration of lithium sources inside of the United States. As a part of this effort, it gave a $14.9 million grant to Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway Energy to study the surrounding, the area surrounding the Salton Sea, which straddles Riverside and Imperial Counties in the California desert. 18 million tons of lithium would put America firmly in the lead in terms of supplying the global market. It could turbocharge electric vehicles and solar production and has the potential to give the United States an unprecedented level of energy independence. Now, let's just stop there for a second. We also have a ton of oil. I don't know what the Biden administration is going to do with this. On November 28th, 2023, the DOE confirmed its discovery of a 3,400 kiloton reserve of lithium in California's Salton Sea, making it one of the largest exploitable lithium deposits in the world. In August, American volcanologists and geologists found a large lithium deposit in Nevada's ancient McDermott Caldera volcano. So there's more. If fully exploited, both deposits would be sufficient to fulfill the world's lithium needs many times over. That's almost like what they said when free energy was discovered back in the day. I'm just saying. Right now, we are almost entirely dependent for our growing lithium needs on other countries. But we're basically sitting on the world's supply of lithium if things continue the way they are. So when you're looking at when you're looking at the geopolitical landscape and the turmoil and the battling, just keep in the back of your mind that the United States just recently, a few months ago, discovered that right on our shores is the world's most exploitable and profitable and uh, usable lithium store anywhere. Just saying, if you think that's not factoring into something somewhere, 
Especially given what we just read about China. I don't know. There are smarter people than me on this stuff out there. But I'm just saying. So. <laughs> so. Perhaps. We should play this again. I'm so happy Cause today Found my friends In my head I'm so ugly That's okay Moving right along All the stuff that I talked about today Will be linked in the show notes below guys If you're interested in reading up on it If you want to do some more digging Find some more information If you are current or former military And this interests you There's definitely some connection here I, again, am not the geopolitical expert. I just happened to see this and put some dots together and thought it would be interesting for everybody. There's a lot of chatter in the chat, which I love. So thanks for that. Um, we were talking on on uh, Friday about Taylor Lorenz and we never really played much of this. I could barely stand to listen to her. But the American quote media is starting to recognize that they're losing, completely losing. And people don't trust them anymore and they're not making any money. And trust me, as someone in media, I know it is nearly impossible to make money if you're telling the truth and you're not propagandizing people. It just is. People will get mad at you if you're not on their side. And it doesn't matter. Like if if you're exposing corruption, but everybody likes the corrupt person and everybody thought they were honest, people are going to hate you for it. It's just human nature. But this is a different story. <laughs> Here we go, Taylor. Let's listen to Taylor. She's completely sane, as you can see by her crazy eyes. Our journalism industry is basically in a free fall. Today, the Los Angeles Times laid off 115 employees. They wiped out their entire DC bureau in an election year. They laid off pretty much all of their sports teams. They killed their entire tech and business section. They laid off breaking news writers, social media editors, the list goes on. But what's really dark is this is just the latest in months and months and months of layoffs in the media industry. In fact, tens of thousands of journalists have been laid off in the past year. Major media companies like BuzzFeed News have completely shuttered their news operations. Time Magazine also just laid off a ton of people and oh, Sports Illustrated basically shut down last week. Pretty much the entire digital media ecosystem that myself and a lot of other millennial journalists came up in has been completely hollowed out. And it's not just digital media sites. Local news has been obliterated. The newspaper industry is cratering. Radio is cratering. I can't help it. I'm sorry. Frank has eating. I have this stupid fake vocal fry. I cannot stand it. Uh, you know, hard. I've seen I've seen the clip. I know it is so hard to talk that way. It was essentially dead aside from NPR, which has been gutted. Meanwhile, hundreds of workers at Condé Nast, the parent company of pretty much every major magazine from GQ to Vogue to The New Yorker to Vanity Fair are on strike because they're also facing and because they're entitled and think that people care about what they have to say. Clearly, they don't. I'm not even going to give this woman more time. Greg Gutfeld came in 
it. Roll it. The entire journalism industry is basically in a free fall. Today, the Los Angeles Times laid off 115 employees. They wiped out their entire D.C. bureau in an election year. Major media companies like BuzzFeed News have completely shuttered their news operations. Time Magazine also just laid off a ton of people, and oh, Sports Illustrated basically shut down last week. Pretty much the entire digital media ecosystem that myself and a lot of other millennial journalists came up in has been completely hollowed out. Meanwhile, hundreds of workers at current company are on salaries. Yeah, thank God for that. Keep our criminals or put out. She's right. <laughs> Without journalists who would arrest criminals or put out fires or build our roads or take care of the sick or deliver our mail or pick up our trash, keep our water and electricity running or defend our country. So, yeah, thank God for journalists. <laughs> Look, crazy lady, everyone understands how bad the world would be without journalists because we haven't had any for decades. <laughs> Look at all the hoaxes our so-called media pushed while missing the biggest stories of the century. Fact is, only our treasured journalists could fake a scam involving Russia to undermine the incoming president without consequences. Only our treasured journalists could deny a lab-leaked virus for years and suppress anyone who dared question the lying experts. Only Not for nothing, honestly. That kind of crap bothers me. Only because Fox was, like, not out at the forefront of any, um... They were right out at the forefront of the COVID hysteria. Like, none of their journey... No, that was people like all of you guys, me, and other independents on social media able to pierce that veil. Don't, you don't... Mm -mm. No, mm-mm. Our treasured journalists would proudly disseminate the government's talking points word for word on everything from Hunter's laptop to border policy to crime stats, looting and riots. Only our treasured journalists would protect a vegetable who can't leave his basement or finish a sentence and helps him get elected president with multiple election law changes, then eggs on attacking his political enemies while celebrating the imprisonment of those who didn't vote for him. And only our treasured journalists would want us to hear about the tragic plight of our treasured journalists. So, yeah. I don't think the world would understand how bad the world would be without journalists, but I have a feeling millions of us would like to find out. Thank you, Gutfeld. Now it's safe. That's the thing that everyone has to understand. Like, when news first breaks of something, they don't talk about it. They wait for it to be safe and accepted among the population, then they'll talk about it. The same thing with the vaccines. We were all out here screaming about the safety signal before they were even in widely circulated use. We were talking about how it was a bad thing. They skipped through the trials. Please be careful. I can go back years. And it was it was shunned. I was kicked off of social media. Nobody wanted it. And when it became OK, you started seeing all the people with a lot bigger audiences than I had and others had OK to talk about it. Because of you guys, because you made it an issue, because you took the mantle. That's why I always say, like, don't ever discount the amount of power you guys actually have. Because you have a lot of power in your little baby pinky tip. This right here. You have so much power. And it's not... People like me that have a big mouth and a microphone that make the biggest difference. It's all of you who listen, evaluate, take the information, and then go out and do with it what you feel called to do. 
which in most cases is alert everybody that you loved. Hey, guys, you look at this. This is another angle on this. You may want to take a look at it. Otherwise, what we do doesn't make a difference. So they do it when it's safe and you make it safe. Never forget that. Always make sure that that level of accountability remains constant for you. And no matter who wins the election this year, I want to implore everybody out there to continue pushing for COVID accountability. Even if, if it's Trump, please push his administration for COVID accountability so that we can have some and this doesn't ever happen again. If it's anyone, it doesn't matter who takes the mantle in November or January. It's very important that we continue, and I'm going to do it, shoot. I want to have Amy on the show. I don't know if any of you guys have heard of Amy Nelson. Her husband was attacked and threatened and sued and bri uh, black, not blackmailed. Um, basically, Amazon worked with the federal government to criminal criminally seize all of this woman and her husband's assets for being upset that her husband did his job. It was a real estate thing. I want her to get into the details of it. But basically, her family was terrorized for years over this. And she has been vocally speaking out about what they've done to her. They seized like $2.1 million and just kept it. The government was working alongside Amazon's attorneys in this civil case to try and put criminal charges on her husband for, for nothing criminal. They vacated all of it. it. It's just, it's a crazy story. You can find her on X, Amy underscore K underscore Nelson. I've been sharing a lot of her stuff. I never went into the lawsuit and, and broke it down because I came in so late in the story with her, probably about eight or nine months ago, that it wouldn't have made sense. But I want to have her on the show coming up here soon to discuss it. Also, just so that everybody knows, Wednesday, I will be interviewing Dr. Sean Baker. Uh, many of you may have seen him on Joe Rogan. Um, he'll be on the show this week. This just got me, and it should have been in the beginning. Biden vows to shut down an overwhelmed border if the Senate deal passes. I don't even want to get into the Senate deal and what these toolboxes are negotiating back and forth as far as amnesty or a certain number of illegal immigrants who are allowed over the border every year. We'll take 1.7 million illegals and then we'll stop taking. What? We have laws on the books. They're not being followed. Biden, shut down the border right now. Why are you fighting against Texas? To be able to continue to allow this unfettered invasion when you have the power to do this right now. It's so stupid. It's it's really it's really insane. I had the article up to talk. I'm not I'm not doing this. I'm not talking about border bartering Ukraine aid versus the border. How about this? I have an idea. It's a novel idea. Cut off all the funding to Ukraine because we've done enough already. All of our all of it, it non-existent inflation-laden 
U.S. dollars have flown over there. Nobody knows what happened to them. Nobody will ever know what happened to them. Nobody will. Our weapons are ending up all in all different countries. Very simple. Stop it and close the border. Very easy. I don't understand. Do you guys understand? Why am I able to do this and you able to do this? But these people can't do it. Do we even need the federal government at this point? They're more of a liability. And we're going to do Peter Navarro's story. And then we're going to move to the rumor mill about RFK and um, President Trump. And then I have a bunch of other, I have a bunch of other stuff at the end here. But here is... Navarro on Hannity. It's a little long. Um, I'm going to start at the beginning. Also, if you don't sit like this, does it mean you're not smart? Because I see so many people all the time sitting like this. Vivek Ramaswamy. Everybody's always got their hands together like this. I know everybody know, like everybody says that this is, I know. But this is just how, maybe I should just start doing this more. It would make me smarter. Here we go. I'm a little feisty today. You got feisty beans. I'll get the clip ready eventually. Here. Hey. Hey. I got the spinny wheel. You see it? You see it? <laughs> Why do I got the spinny wheel? I guess I can't fast forward through the monologue of Hannity that I don't want to hear without getting the spinny wheel. Now, yesterday, former Trump advisor Peter Navarro was sentenced to four months in prison and fined this almost $10,000 after being held in contempt of Congress for refusing. The spinny wheel is back. It's a sign. All right, so we won't listen to that now then. We'll move on. Okay. Trump's team reached out to RFK Jr. early on about serving as VP. Wouldn't write it off. People close to former President Trump made preliminary overtures to RFK about the possibility of serving as his running mate. The Post has learned. This went kind of wild over the weekend. Anything's possible. Wouldn't write it off. Kennedy, 70, who was initially running as a Democrat but is now an independent, wasn't interested and has continued to shoot down speculation that he would ever take a job as Trump's VP. And here we have him in his own words. I'd also asked him about something I'd heard President Trump had called him early on and asked him about being his VP. I asked if it were true. Take a look. If he asked you that today, what would your response be? I, I would not take that job. I I'm flattered that President Trump would offer it to me, um, but it's not something that I'm interested in. Did he reach out or his uh, team? People from the team have reached out to me. It's, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Um, Kennedy right now is talking to the Libertarian Party. Now, I read that the Libertarian Party has already said no. I wouldn't, 
you know, people want to like school me on the Libertarian Party. <laughs> and I'm only laughing because there are so many people out there who think that I just appeared one day out of nowhere like a lot of these influencer quote people do. I don't even consider myself a quote influencer. I don't want to influence anything. I want you to hear facts and data and then make your own d- opinion. But they, people think I just appeared poof one day and I have no history in this this movement, for lack of a better word. I was in the Libertarian Party for many years and it's a, it's a shit show. No offense to any Libertarian Party members out there, but you ran William Weld as a vice president and as soon as that happened, I said, you're finished. All these people from back 20 years ago that were hardcore Libertarians, so many of them are now like Antifa. It's very strange what happened. It's very strange what happened to the Libertarian Party. But the Libertarian Party has ballot access in all 50 states. So RFK, not a Libertarian at all, went to the Libertarian Party and said, hey, maybe we can run. We can run. So Because it's hard as an independent to get ballot access. There's every different state has a different rule about getting ballot access to be on the presidential ballot. And it takes an overwhelming amount of money and a lot of boots on the ground and a very well-organized machine to get ballot access on all 50 states' ballots if you're going to run as a non-quote non major political party candidate. So, of course, he's seeking out other places that would make this easier for him. I get it from a strategic standpoint. However, he's not a libertarian, but I said, of course the libertarians would have him because they ran William Weld underneath Gary John... I- So here he is on CNN. Is it possible that you will seek, as you are running as an independent, you will seek still to be the libertarian candidate, which would assure you getting on all 50 state ballots? Um, Is that something that we're looking at? We have a really good uh, uh, relationship with Libertarian Party. I'm going to be speaking at the California Libertarian Party convention. I think it's next week or maybe a couple of weeks. And then um, we're we're talking about me talking, uh, speaking in New York. But, you know, so that is and then we have our own political party now in six states, um, which have rules that make that give, give us an advantage to have our own political party. Uh, we're not going to have ask a problem you, I ask you the question. The I ask you the question. I ask you the question because Angela McCardle, the head of the Libertarian Party, Catherine, do we have the sound of this, by the way? Tell me quickly. Okay, I want to play something for the audience. This is the head of the Libertarian Party on my radio show in the fall. Roll it. We've had a lot of good conversations and we're on good terms. And I respect his decision to want to go independent. The libertarians really admire the strong position he took uh, against mandates and lockdowns. And and so we're going to stay on friendly terms and and see what happens. Bobby makes. So anyone telling me that this is impossible just doesn't understand how the libertarian party works. And one more RFK uh, comment about legacy media and a demographic he is having a struggle with. The one cohort that I'm doing really poorly with is baby boomers. 
And I ought to be doing, I ought to be doing, thank you. Thanks to all the old people like me. And I, I ought to be doing really great with them because, you know, they're the people who remember Camelot and the Kennedy era. Uh, but, you know, they have a disability, which is they only get their news from ABC, from, uh, from ABC, NBC, CNN, MSNBC, and the New York Times. And if I were living in that information ecosystem, I'd have a low opinion of myself as well. Uh, what we're finding is if they, you know, the young people are, are getting their information from long form interviews, from podcasts, from other alternative interviews. So they're, they're doing critical thinking and they're not locked into these orthodoxies. And somehow if you're young and you have parents, uh, you need to lock them up somewhere and make them listen to a Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Get them off television because it's ruining American politics. It's ruining it. I'm sorry. I, I know I have a ton of people in the boomer generation that listen to me and I respect and love all of you. But a lot of your friends are not as smart as you. <laughs> and it's ruining politics completely. They need to stop with the television. The television needs to go away. They need to start looking elsewhere. There is a universe out there. of information they're not getting. <laughs> and then there's this crazy lunatic from South Carolina. Nikki Haley suggests she'll stay in the Republican race after South Carolina. Of course she will. Of course she will. She's being funded specifically to stay in the race. That's the whole point of this. Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley on Sunday accused party leaders of not being honest brokers in, his camp in her campaign against Donald Trump and said she didn't have to win the nominating contest in South Carolina to stay in the race. Haley, a former U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, told NBC's Meet the Press that the former president would become even more unhinged as the campaign for the Republican presidential nomination progressed. She's trying to gain momentum against Trump after coming in third place behind him in Iowa and second place in New Hampshire. Both are now seeking victory in South Carolina, where she once served as a governor. I'm going to tell you something right now. This shocked me. That there were this many people in this rally that she did at Coastal Carolina in South Carolina this weekend. One brave soul stood up and took her on. And she's actually, he's actually booed. And I'm surprised about this. Get that done. None of us want new wars. None of us want new wars. that man why are there so many people here that support her it's kind of weird because everybody I know doesn't like literally everybody I don't know one real life Nikki Haley supporter not one and I live here in South Carolina I am proudly voting against Nikki Haley in our primary 
probably all Democrats. Doesn't make any sense to me. There's not one real life Nikki Haley supporter that exists in this state. <laughs> well, maybe there are, but they're all Democrats. Elon Omar. She's speaking in Somali, I believe. She says, the U.S. government will do what we want, nothing else. They must follow our orders. That is how we safeguard the interests of Somalia. Shocking video of Elon saying she's making U.S. government take orders from Somalia. The U.S. government will only do what Somalians in the U.S. tell them to do. They will do what we want and nothing else. They must follow our orders, and that's how we'll safeguard the interests of Somalia. We Somalians must have the confidence in ourselves that we call the shots inside the U.S. The, the woman, myself, you sent to Congress is working day and night to protect your interests. She knows your right, your plight, and that of Somalia, and I am as concerned about Somalia as you guys are. Together, we'll protect the interests of Somalia. She needs to go because she took an oath to the United States Constitution, and she's been allowed to run around unchecked for far too long at this point. As a matter of fact, even the ambassador to Somalia stepped up and made a, a post about this. We were profoundly surprised, even shocked, on discovering the remarks made by Congresswoman Ilan Omar of Minnesota in a recent public forum, widely circulated on most social media platforms and attached below for your reference. The language she employed was regrettably unbecoming of both the office she holds and the constituents she represents. Her expressions were lacking in common decency and revealed a significant lack of understanding of basic facts. Specifically troubling were her endeavors to revive the once violent and dangerous ideology of Greater Somalia or Somal... Uh or Somali Wayne, if that's how you pronounce it, which caused so much death, destruction, and conflict in the Horn of Africa. Furthermore, her use of ethno-racist rhetoric didn't escape the attention, didn't escape attention, and left many with a deep sense of disappointment. This was particularly bewildering for those who recall similar racist attacks she endured not long ago of being, quote, not American enough, and was baffling to see her take a similar approach and accuse the entire Somalian Somalian nation of falsely claiming Somali identity. Moreover, her ignorance of U.S. Somali Somaliland cooperation in the fight against terror and piracy in the Gulf of Aden and Gulf of Berbera was shocking to say the least. We hope House leadership and her caucus will take note of her public conduct unbecoming of a United States Congresswoman now representative nor representative of the August House she serves in. August, August house. I'll be okay. I need more coffee. Feisty and reading do not go hand in hand, clearly. There is just no excuse for this at all. As we sit while Congress and Democrats put forward a bill to bar militias. Make them illegal. Whoa. Paramilitary activity, they call it. And I've got about five more minutes left. <sighs> I've got some DEI stuff here at the end of the show. We'll do this. Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban and Elon Musk have been going back and forth on the diversity, equity, and inclusion argument 
Mark Cuban says, I never hired anyone based exclusively on race, gender, and religion. I only ever hire the person that will put my business in the best position to exceed. Myth Informed over here says, your CEO literally admits to hiring and firing people based on their race and gender. And we have a clip because why wouldn't we? Uh, because I know the business case for diversity and you have to have a diverse group of people around the table uh, if you really want to be as successful as you can be. And so, so we took that on. So we laid out that vision, laid out a set of values, and then I had one-on-one -on -one with all the employees and then made some leadership changes. And wow. so now we have almost 50% women in leadership and 47% people of color. And so wow. diverse, and diversity matters. It matters. It, so your, your goal was to set the NBA standard for leadership, for, for diversity and inclusion. And and do you, are you now the most diverse and inclusive leadership? Uh, That's not inclusive if you're excluding people. This is the thing. <laughs> They're excluding people with real talent to get people who look a certain way into an office. You guys don't need to hear this. You all know. This is just absurd. Mark frickin' Cuban. I, as a woman, if there is a man who is smarter and better qualified than me, to do an important job, by all means, take it. I want you there. I will find a place somewhere else where I'm better suited. I don't understand this. That's it for today. I'm done. I'm done for today. I'm spent, as Austin Powers would say. Thank you guys for being here with me. Share this out with your friends if you'd enjoyed it. We'll be back on Wednesday. You have been listening to the Dark Delight Podcast with Beans. You can hear us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, streaming live at 8.30 a.m. on Rumble, Getter, and on X. You can also listen to the audio-only version of this pod podcast, the OG, on all podcasting platforms at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Support your independent journalists, and we'll see you again on Wednesday.